Well, thanks again for listening to the Park Hills podcast. If you want more information on the things we're doing, go to parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. Zephaniah chapter 3. It's kind of weird to teach a book and get through it in five weeks. Yeah. It's it's a shorter book, so... Totally. It works. But yeah, after we just got done with Mark in like six months. Yeah. 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 Doing, doing this many verses in one shot and basically almost being done with the book is pretty wild. Yeah. So it's kind of fun. But I'm enjoying the book... Uh, one of the concepts we want to talk about, you know, this is mentioned in the sermon briefly, but we want to dig into it just a little bit more here and kind of paint some pictures for you. Let me go to chapter three, verse three, and then I'll read verse five and then verse seven. So I'm just going to read them one after another, uh, but I'm not going to tell you what verse I'm on as I read it. But here's what it says. Her officials within her are roaring lions. Her judges are evening wolves that leave nothing until morning. The Lord within her is righteous. He does no injustice. Every morning he shows forth his justice. Each dawn he does not fail, but the unjust knows no shame. I said, surely you will fear me. You will accept correction. Then your dwelling would not be cut off according to all that I've appointed against you. But all the more they were eager to make all their deeds corrupt. And so we jump into this in the sermon, the idea that that, you know, a carcass left over in the morning or this idea of eagerness is really based on this concept of just waking up first thing and just jump into doing injustice and doing terrible things. But that's in stark contrast to the Lord who every morning he shows forth his justice. Each dawn he does not fail. What an interesting thing. And I think it keys into so many different things in the in the, the whole Bible, but specifically the Old Testament that might be fun for us to spend a little time here circling on. So, Alex, what you got? Yeah, just looking at this concept here of eager, I'm looking in my good old BDB. That's Brown Driver Briggs, a, a book that we read for Hebrew. A lexicon. Yeah, for that, that term eager there. Uh, to, to rise early, to make an early start, it's used in Hosea 6.4. Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes Early away, early away is that eager there. And having yeah. been in the Middle East, that dew does leave very early. Yeah. <laughs> the sun starts to come up no matter what month you're in. And it, it being a desert, that dew, that dew flips and goes away yeah. real quick. But it's, it's such a distinction between the many places in Scripture where we see morning mentioned as like a positive, like the... In the idea that the first thing you do sets the tone for the rest of your yeah. day and then therefore life, right? Like the way I live my life is set by the first thing in the morning. And typically that's a good thing. Right. Like we're told to, to uh, you know, that God's mercies are new in the morning. We'll dig into that and things yeah. like that. But here it's like, oh man, they leave nothing till the morning. Like, right. And they're all the more eager to make their deeds corrupt. Which is playing with a couple different ideas the one that I think is most important is if you think back to Genesis 1, it always says there was evening, then there was morning the first day. And what that what what a Jew thinks about when they're 
thinking about their day because most people are surprised that to a Jew, the day starts in the evening, mm-hmm. right? So Shabbat begins on Friday evening and goes till Saturday evening. And the reason for that is in the Jewish mind, and there's tons of commentaries on this in, in the Jewish world, they believe their day starts with rest, which is a kind of a neat callback to what God does at the end of the seven days, right? He rests and then, you know, goes goes mm-hmm. forth after that. And so in their mind, they're joining him in rest for the first part of their day. And then that eagerness is the first thing they're supposed to do for the day. It's how they first operate out of their rest. And so there's two issues with these guys. First of all, they're leaving nothing for morning and they're being eager to do evil in the morning. But then secondarily, they're also working all night, stripping it to the bone. So they're not actually resting on their own. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. They are digging in their heels, so to speak, pushing back against God's ways, God's thinking. And then it makes this just really nasty picture of they are the worst of the worst. Yeah, it's like the intentionality to do wrong is highlighted. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times... I feel like the wrong I do, I didn't mean to do it, or I wasn't thinking at the time. Like, oh yeah, I, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. I didn't. I wasn't really thinking, or I didn't think about your perspective, or it just kind of came out of my mouth, or something like that. But here, there's like a, like a more of an intentionality, right? Her judges leave nothing until morning. Like, you, yeah, you don't accidentally end up in that situation. They're all the more eager to make their deeds corrupt. Like, this is this is their desire. Yeah. To do what is wrong. Yeah. And I mean, the fact that they're roaring lions and evening wolves, it's it's instinct, right? It's it's just who they've become. They've become so unjust that they can't even think of how to do justice. And then so flipping that then, you know, there's so many passages in Scripture that we could jump to. And you, you mentioned one a minute ago, right? His his mercies are new every morning. Uh, the way that, that Zephaniah says it here is every morning he shows forth his justice. Well, that's beautiful, right? It's, that's a little different than his mercies are new every morning, but it's the same concept. Or Psalm ninety fourteen, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we, we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Uh, that's just a, I mean, it's just a good idea to think through. Like God opening up, you know, his goodness to us and we have access to it first thing in the morning how neat would that be if we just thought about that in the morning? You know, you wake up. I know a lot of people that wake up in the morning and they're not happy to be awake. Mm-hmm. My children, for example, <laughs> right? They're, they're the big ones. Uh, or, or then it says this, let me, this is Psalm 130, 143, verse 8. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for I trust in you. Make, make me go the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Or like you said, the mercies are new every morning. So this this idea that, Really what God is doing is satisfying us in a rest, and then we are meeting him, joining him in his mercy and his goodness, and then going about our day. Uh, what if we had that attitude toward life? It would be a totally different way of thinking, I think, for a lot of us. Yeah, because that that idea, if you're doing it in the morning, you are doing it throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Like it's setting that tone for the day. It's not, you know, so many of these these idioms in Scripture are not just a one-time thing, you know. When Jesus uh, talks, when Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6, you know, talk about them when you sit up mm-hmm. and when you lie down, you know, when you walk, when you when you do all these things. The idea isn't like every time I stand up now, I need to quote a verse or mm-hmm. say this or think about it. And every time I lay down, it's it's the idea of no, like there are two categories of life, sitting and lying down or standing and lying down, whatever. Yep. Do it all of those times. And this is like in the morning, do it in the morning 
because then it happens the whole day. Yeah. You know, even a negative example is like when Jericho was rebuilt, right? Right. You know the story where it's like anyone who builds this, their their son is going to die when the gates are set and when the when it's started and when it's completed and kind of the idea behind it is and probably everyone in between like right. the completion it's kind of that concept here uh if this sets the tone for your day this is all of your day not just check the box when you wake up yeah there's a saying that's floated around in some of my friend circles and and elsewhere but this idea that they chose rage <laughs> right or they chose anger today that's that's usually set forth really early in the day. You know, you can tell if somebody's just going to choose rage today. Mm-hmm. They're going to be angry. They're going to just be terrible. What if we could flip the switch or the the script in our own mind and go, no, I'm going to be of the Lord today. I'm going to do things the way the Lord would want me to do them. I think that'd be really neat. Uh, which really leads us into, I think, the bigger question and a bigger sense that we're going to get all the way through the rest of chapter three, but we thought we'd start talking about some of the bigger themes right now. And it goes back to chapter one and two, this idea that there's a, there's an injustice that's happening. And when we think about injustice, we think about oppression. Uh, those are really, you know, those are big things that we're going to deal with this week, next week, and the week after. And then how we respond to it, what we do, what, what God is going to do to it. But justice is not just an easy thing to unpack. I think some of us think, Justice should happen all the time. And then we get a speeding ticket and we're like, man, I really wish I didn't get justice on this. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But it's even more complicated than that, right? Yeah. Justice is such a complicated issue because, you know, kind of when we were talking about this, when when an individual commits a wrong, then to right that wrong, that's what we call justice. Mm -hmm. But justice is such this complex web of writing wrongs and it's not all at the individual level you know for example if if somebody commits a crime and we say okay because of their crime justice should be served and in our system that justice is incarceration and that happens well then you say well justice for that person but what about for all of the people around that person like is that justice for them that now you know a a parent is no longer there or a spouse is no longer there or a son or a daughter is no longer there and not contributing in the way that they're how is that justice for them sure you know and so that's where we we can't justice isn't just like a one for one like okay everything you do there's like a certain measure of justice that you're given right away and like check that box and now you move on because it's so complex and and you know again somebody commits a crime and is is the justice for them or or maybe you know two people commit the same crime well maybe they grew up in different situations and one of them is more of a calculated action and one of them is an action of desperation you know sure so how do you how do you measure out justice to those two do you balance all those things so all that to say like justice is just very complex and for us in our human and finite minds to try to determine justice is impossible yeah yeah and we see this it typically ends up being a political discussion Mm -hmm. right especially in our country where left and right usually have pretty specific party lines because i hear things all the time like the way that that's being dealt with is unjust Mm -hmm. so you could have for example what one of the things that pops in my mind is you know some of the riots that happened in 2020 Everybody seemed to be up in arms about them for various reasons, but then very few actual people went to jail for those things mm-hmm. versus 
people who felt that they were being unjustly dealt with in, in you know dive into the January 6th thing with a little more vigor than they should have and then some people who weren't even there at January 6th get a massive sentence. Mm-hmm. And then I hear people from both sides of the aisle yell at each other like, well, you don't understand because that's this versus this. But when you start to add them up apples to apples, I know of situations where individuals, I don't know, stop a a government proceeding and don't have any punishment. And then the other side does the same thing, it seems, and then do receive a massive punishment or, again, aren't even there. And then so this this question of justice becomes a big deal. But then at the same time, you're also stepping back going, but none of them are right. Yeah, <laughs> There's some part of this that I think if we're really honest with ourselves, we're always trying to do a tit for tat thing. Like it's just, you know, this is the way it's supposed to go. You need to be fair. This needs to go this way. Well, I've dealt with my own children, both of them differently for the exact same thing that they did. You know, they yeah. both did the same thing, but I dealt with one of them more harshly than the other because I could sense that the one's heart was in a different place than the other ones. Right. It, which we're going to get into in this book and then especially in, when we get to Habakkuk as well in a, you know, a couple of months. But there's this thing of there, – there is an, an element of intentionality that you have, to, you have to assess, you have to think through. The problem is you and I can't assess intentionality correctly. Right. At least not, not fully. Not, not, yeah, not 100% of the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're finite people. Right. And that's where, you know, without, without digging too much into other books that we're going to get into, you know, we'll just, I'll just briefly mention Job here. That's part of like when, when God takes Job and says, look, can you see, have you ever seen where I keep the snow before I've said, no, you haven't. Okay. You don't quite understand. And I think it's a similar concept for us. Now that doesn't mean that we should just throw just throw human justice out the window and be like, oh, we don't care. Do whatever you want. But it's just a, a humbling reminder to me that, you know, justice is so complex. It reminds me to do what is right. You know, like speeding tickets. Suppose I, I drive, drive too fast. I get a speeding ticket. And that's justice against me. But now my family suffers because we don't have that money to pay for sure. the things. You know, maybe I was planning on, you know, buying dinner for my family at night. Sorry, guys, we can't buy dinner. Daddy got a speeding ticket. Well, how is that justice to my five-year-old? Right. You know, that he doesn't get a good gift, you know. It's, it's so complex. There's a humility to say, let's trust God for ultimate justice. Right. And then it's a good reminder to me to live righteously because justice is coming in a way that I don't understand. Which speaks into a concept that is, it's a little bit nebulous and it's hard to fully see in scripture, but it's there and it's really important. Even back to Job's situation, there is agency and responsibility given to God's creatures, right? If we're going to talk about rule and dominion, humans are given rule over the earth. We're given dominion over the earth. A lot of times the things that we want God to be just for are actually people misusing their own sense of justice or misusing their own sense of authority or rule. And there is an injustice there that does need to be dealt with. But sometimes I know people who get angry at God because God seems to be unjust because someone is being mean to them or someone's doing something wrong. And that's really that person's responsibility less than it is God's responsibility. Right. And we want God to step in and fix the problem. You know, let's say you – this using the, the silly illustration, there's far more – important ones that we could talk through that we don't necessarily need to get into. But back to your speeding ticket, that officer has the opportunity to give you mercy in that moment if they wanted to. 
And if they did, you might thank God for the mercy, even though God may not have entered into the equation as much as you'd like him to. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you could you could be thankful that God provided you this gift. But then on the flip side, if that person gave you a ticket and you're like blaming them for it, it's really your fault. <laughs> it's, right. it's you operating under your agencies, doing things the way you'd want to do them. And then receiving the justice for it, but now you're mad at God that he that it's unjust that you had to do this ticket, and that's just ridiculous to me. Yeah, because we would never think like when I did get the ticket. Oh, thank the Lord for His justice. <laughs> you know, right? Like, oh man, I'm I'm so glad the Lord was just to give me a ticket for. It'd be so great if we did act like that, though. Yeah, yeah, but that that's the thing, and I mentioned this off the air, but you know, I I saw this meme floating around. Uh, that was, I can't remember what the pictures were, but the the first line was, um, you know, why doesn't God deal with all the evil in the world and somebody looking like confused or angry, you know? And then the next line was, why is God punishing me? Mm-hmm. Like in same, like look at confusion. And it's like, yeah, you know, we, we, we do that all the time. We're like, God deal with evil. We see evil in other people. We're like, God deal with evil. And then when God deals with evil in our lives, we're like, why are why are you why are you punishing me? Why are you doing this? And you know, we see that with, I think, in the bigger picture, like the Old Testament, people will accuse God of being this genocidal maniac because He tells Israel to mm-hmm. wipe nations out. Like, oh, wipe out nation—that's genocide. Like, mm-hmm. how could God be this genocidal maniac who's like wipe out these people? But then you see the evil that these nations, as as a group, as a collective, as a community, did, and you're like, shouldn't they be? punished for that shouldn't there be justice if you have a a group of people a tribe or a nation and remember these aren't nations of 325 million like the u.s is right now these are nations of thousands where their ritual habitual practice is to take babies and throw them into bonfires sure to because they think their gods will then be favorable to them yeah like like where's justice for those babies right Right. And, and and you can apply this to today, that same concept, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we're watching, as we're recording this, we're watching Israel press into Gaza and try mm-hmm. to deal with the tunnel system underneath Gaza City. And the question that I hear from a lot of people is, how can you possibly stand up for Hamas, which I don't, but this is not like a, <laughs> you know, I'm not advocating that we stand up for a terrorist organization, but it's way more complicated than that. Uh, while Hamas, what they did is totally despicable and deserves to be dealt with, the question Israel has to ask, and, and this is part of the reason why it took so long, I think, for them to actually invade into the area, is who who's innocent that need that's going to be in the way of this? And then you've also got an organization that might have run out. They definitely ran out and, and slaughtered a bunch of people needlessly and did just a terrible terrorist act. But now it seems like they're backing behind their women and children saying, well, don't hurt us. Yeah. So then you go, well, then if we hit you and we hurt a woman or child, who's actually at fault there? Where is justice in that? But then if you don't do anything, where's justice in that? There's no justice whatsoever in that. And then if other groups jump in and say, we're actually going to support Hamas because they don't agree with Israel's handling of the Palestinian question, I, I'm not advocating for it, but I understand where they're coming from. It doesn't mean they're right. It doesn't mean there's anyone that's right here, but I understand the question. And it makes me go, justice is not a simple A, A B, right. or this equals this. 
what would be the proper response to what happened on October 7th in Israel? Yeah. How do you not defend your own nation? At the same time, if I were a Palestinian who's not actually connected with Hamas, I'd be like, well, why am I in the crossfire between Hamas and you? And you might say, well, Hamas you know, is in charge of Gaza, so clearly you elected them in. Well, they elected them in in 2006, and Hamas has not held an election since then. Mm-hmm. So in many ways, this is a terrorist organization who's now running a, a group of people uh, in really s- terrible conditions, squalor. And I can make the case for that years from now, if Hamas does disappear and, and you're able to liberate Gaza, you might actually end up in a better spot down the road. But I also could imagine another group just swooping in and making it even worse. And so then it's yeah. like, what's the justice in that? Should you do anything? And, I, and there's no answers. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to the radio this morning and they were talking about Israel uh, bombing a refugee camp and killing people in a, in a Palestinian refugee camp. Sure. And they're interviewing a Palestinian who's talking about, you know, like being afraid and things like that. And you look at that and you're like, man, this is this is wrong. Right. Like, but then like as a passing comment at the very end, they're like, Israel said that they hit two Hamas um, generals in the refugee camp. uh, And that's why they did it. And then they moved on. And then they're like, oh, then you're like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You have your military generals <laughs> hiding out in a refugee camp. So I, now what I'm not, I'm not conversant enough in this whole conversation, partly because- like, Neither one of us yeah, really are. Yeah. And, to, and good news is hard to find. Like that, I think that's part of it because yep. everything we listen to is, is swayed on one mm-hmm. side or the other. Uh, but like my discerning mind in that moment was like, oh- like you can't just throw that out there because like you're saying, you have you have an organization that attacks a country and then goes and hides in the refugee camp. Mm-hmm. And so, well, what's justice for, for those two guys? Now, if that's true, that's also an if. Like we don't, d- did they hit someone? All I don't of know. this is an if, yeah. Yeah, all yep. of this is an if. But if all these pieces are true, you know, it was that justice for these guys. But then is it Israel's fault for hitting the refugee camp right. because those guys are there? Or is it those guys for hiding out Amongst their women and children, right? So that they think, oh, they think we're safe now, and it's hard to re- it's hard to respect a organization that strikes someone and then runs behind their women and children. So, all that to say, there, there's such a complexity behind this that that justice is really hard. Sure. And then, what is the next right step as humans to to rule and have dominion over the world? We are told to pursue that, but to ultimately trust the Lord mm-hmm. for for ultimate. Um, justice to happen like it's it, we're never going to figure it all out here on earth yeah and i think that's the big key coming back to tie this whole thing off together god is good he is just we can trust him his mercies are new every morning maybe we should live that out and believe it and think that way yeah justice will come through that 